All right. Welcome to the Launch Goal Podcast. This is season five. And today we have Julia Martin. Thanks for coming on, Julia. How are you doing today? Hi, Chris. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for yeah, having me. Yeah, doing great. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, ha- awesome seeing you go through Launch School, go through Capstone, and now doing well. So for this podcast, Julia is a software engineer at Databricks, where she works on the Delta Live Tables division. Um, so Julia, maybe just kind of tell us about your background how you got this job after finishing Capstone. And, you know, what were you doing before launch school? What was your major in college? Um, What did you do after college? Just catch us up. Okay, that's a lot of questions, but I'll try to answer all of them. So uh, I guess we can start from the beginning, at least starting from college. Um, So when I was setting up to college, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I decided I would just major in business because that seemed generic and broadly useful. So I did that. And then after college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did some kind of random jobs, mostly like analyst type jobs. So I thought I was like, you know, pretty good at like analytical stuff. Um, And it was through those analyst jobs that I learned a little bit of SQL and how to do some SQL on the job. And then um, that's what kind of made me realize, oh, coding is kind of fun. And so I really enjoyed the SQL aspect and, like, you know, getting really good at, like, writing SQL. And so that's what kind of inspired me to uh, learn Python. And so I taught myself a little bit of Python. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. And then that's when I kind of started thinking about going to, like, more technical roles. And uh, one of my friends suggested doing, like, a coding boot camp. So um, I kind of thought about that for a while. Was really considering it for a long time, but I didn't really, like, make the jump until like I was really miserable in this one job I was in and I just really hated it and so one day um I just quit and I enrolled in launch school and yeah and then I did capstone and um after capstone I mean so you quit first and then did launch school well I think I signed up and then I think I simultaneously did launch school while working for like two days but then yeah I just I think it was like my last two days on the job. I and then I I quit, and then did launch school full time. I notice this a lot. A lot of people are in sort of data jobs or just uh, programming adjacent roles where they do a little bit of programming, and they 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 just have a feel for it. They they have an affinity for programming, and then something they didn't realize sounds like that's exactly your case. Yeah, yeah. It was like I just kind of had like an inkling. Like I wasn't sure if I want to do like full on software engineering at the time, but I realized yeah. I liked coding, and after a while, it just sort of really grew on me. And so it just kind of brought me over to software engineering eventually. So that was what a couple years out of school. Yeah, it was like twenty twenty one, I think. So yeah, it was about four years out of school. Um, I did four years of like different jobs, like mostly in tech, and then. Yeah, that's when I kind of really decided. So it took me a while of like bouncing around. Like, um, like at first I was like, I really want to be a strategy like consultant, and then I was like, I really want to be a data scientist, and then, and then it became I really want to be a software engineer. And now I'm finally like, okay, I'm happy where I am. I don't want to be something else anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you were looking around at coding boot camps and things like that, how did you find launch school? Because you know we don't really advertise that much. Did you know somebody or just come across? Yeah, it was super random. Like I was initially almost going to do a coding boot camp, like one of the big ones. Um, And I was like really, really close to like, you know, putting down the money and everything. But then I heard some bad stuff about it from people and like some former students. And they were like, oh, it's a scam. Like they were telling me all this stuff about it. And I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, no, never mind. So then I was like, maybe I'll just do a self-taught route. But then that seemed really hard. And I was like, I probably can't do self-taught. So then I was like Googling like resources for self-taught developers and trying to find like some sort of, you know, guide or study guide or something. And then I think it was just like on Reddit, like I was just Googling, you know, looking stuff up. And then and then I saw someone like mention launch school on some random Reddit thread. But I don't even remember like what it was about or what was the context. I just clicked on it and then I ended up on the website and I was like, oh, okay, I like this. Like, I really liked what the website said about mastery-based learning and it just really drew me in and I was like pretty, you know, I was pretty into it. So 
Um, I signed up and it seemed like very easy to sign up and just start and try it out. And so I did. And then, yeah, here we are. Yeah, great. And that's how that story is so common. And I, it just makes me feel like we need to do more, um, even though I feel like we do a lot. But it just feels like every person who comes to us are just like, I saw a random comment or I heard a random thing. So glad you're here. Glad you went through it. Yeah. And when you went through core and capstone, um, first of all, you know, you, you it, it seemed to me like this stuff was easy for you. Like right away, you you got it. I thought you had like programming background or something, but but oh, no. it turns out not so. No. Now that you're on the other side, you're working at a big tech company, um, and you know most of the listeners in this podcast are logical students and. You know, any thoughts for them, any advice for them, because they're still kind of struggling through it and, you know, you're you're working now. Yeah, um, I I really love launch school, like especially core. It was so much fun and I love like just learning so much every day and like being able to practice what I learned and like showing off what I learned in the assessments and going to the study sessions. Like it was so much fun. It, you know, it's kind of like college, you know, you're like, studying with all these other people you're learning and it just feels so like carefree now looking back. So I think I would just like advise people like just enjoy the process. Like don't think too hard about like just getting through it. Like just really enjoy it and like cherish the time you have and also like meet people and talk to people because um, I didn't like do a ton of like meeting people during lunch school. Like I feel like I probably met less people than average, but the people I did talk to, I like still keep in touch with. And like, it's so cool now to like, keep in touch with those people and see like, wow, like I knew you back when we were still in JS 101. And now we're both like full time software engineers. Now it's so cool to like catch up with these people and like see how far you've both come. (laughs) And um, yeah, so I think it's really, really helpful to like, you know, just meet people in core and like talk to them and like make some friends like and then, you know, you have all these like lifelong friends who like know they've been through like all this stuff with you together. So it's uh, it's really great to like have those relationships. And we we tend to attract very serious people. A very substantial amount of these people, even in 101, will become software engineers. So I think it's a great opportunity to build network um, and, you know, build fellowship as you're going through core, but build network as everyone, you know, finishes and graduates and moves on their careers. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. Okay, so core was pretty straightforward to you and i love your advice that's advice i give everyone too which is use the community it's like the curriculum is what draws people in the pedagogy is what draws people in the community is like our secret because the pedagogy attracts a certain type of person Mm -hmm. and that that's unexpectedly for me but uh it's it's turned out that that's been like our the, the the secret sauce here yeah because yeah if i like you know sometimes i get random requests on linkedin from people and like if i say that they're like a launch school graduate i'm like oh yeah of course like we're basically friends now like i just i have so much like trust for you know people who have gone through launch school because it's like we've all gone through this it really says a lot about you as a person if you like spend the time like going through the launch school material and like you have that drive and like that you know passion for learning so, yeah, I think it's really cool how you've created such a, you know, strong community. And, and if you think about the attributes that you need for a career, it's it's that drive for learning, right? Yeah. It's that mastery-based learning mindset, but also being able to apply it on the job. So, yeah, um, exactly. Super important. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so talk about your capstone project, your capstone experience, Um you know, what project did you work on and how was that? Uh, yeah, so I did Capstone in 2021, two. I can't even remember now. It was like a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. So 2022. Fun too. Yeah. Um, I did, my project was called Waypost. It's a platform for feature flagging and A-B testing. And um, so it was like mainly around like, you know, experimentation and like, allowing you to kind of like use these flags and like experiment with them. And um, it was like a very like product sort of uh, project, like have front, like 
a lot of front end stuff, like a back end and all that. Um, and it was like a pretty like fun project because the topic of it was actually something very familiar to me because I actually did a lot of A-B testing in my previous jobs before launch school. So I actually kind of like already had some industry experience with it and I was able to kind of like... But as a user. Like, yeah, as a user, like as someone who like designs experiments and runs them, like I was like, oh, this is what I would want in a product. Like it should have these features. So that kind of helped guide a lot of like the development. And um, so that was pretty fun. Um, But one thing that was kind of different about our team was we only had three people on our team, whereas most other teams have four people. So it kind of always felt like we were like having to like work extra hard and like, you know, try and make up for like the one missing person kind of compared to the other teams. So I felt like it was really, really busy. Like every day I was coding like all day nonstop. Like I remember like my step count every day was like so embarrassingly low. Like I just like never left my desk. Um, And looking back, I'm like, wow, I really should have prioritized my health more. At the time, it seemed like I just like lived and breathed my capstone project. And that was like my life. Um, And so, yeah, but it was super worth it. Like at the end, I was like so happy to see like what we built and I was super proud of it. And it was just like so satisfying to be able to like tell employers like, hey, this is something I built and it works and this is what it looks like. And it's just like it's so worth it all in the end. Um, I really enjoyed it. I definitely got the sense you were tired, your team. Yeah, I think you and Sean I was talking to, and I just after his armor was thinking, I think they're kind of burnt out. I need to have any this. Tell them to relax. Yeah, um, I feel like we so, were yeah all trying to be like ten x engineers, and it was just rough. So, I get a lot of questions about building portfolio projects. How come we don't have these portfolio projects? And one of the ways I try to explain is, like, if you're gonna hire somebody. Let, let's say a carpenter to uh, help you make a table or something. And this person said, I follow tutorials that, <laughs> that walk me through five tables. Like, that's not convincing, right? So you, when you hire some, like a skilled person, what you're saying is you have the ability to solve these problems that I have, not that you've completed X amount of tutorials, right? Right. So one advice I have is when you're going to go apply for jobs, lead with projects at around the same level of complexity that the company's already working. You can't work on these projects and say, hey, look, check out these projects I did, but if you hire me, I can do more. Yeah, like they're not going to buy that. They want to see that you've already done it. Exactly. So they can't ask people to bridge the gap. Say, once you give me money, I can do better. Look at all the stuff I did by myself without anybody paying me. So the Capstone project is supposed to say, hey, look, I did this before going there. But once you hire me, we're we're kind of doing the same thing. How How did that play out for you? Did that kind of work for you? Yeah. In your interviews? Yeah, I think, um. Yeah, I think like if I hadn't had the capstone project, I probably wouldn't have even gotten interviews because they would have been like, well, where's your experience? And like the capstone project was my experience and it like really gave us I feel like most I'm looking at so many capstone resumes now as I'm a job hunt mentor and it's always so impressive, like how many things they did in the realm of software engineering, like front end, back end, testing, infrastructure, like everything. And it's like it's like, well, like they better give you a like an interview if you have all that on your resume but imagine if you didn't have that project like you would have very little to like you know show to get an interview out of so yeah I feel like it makes such a big difference and like that really becomes like your whole pitch for for why companies should hire you is that capstone project and your job was a little odd because you finished last year when the market was on fire And you took a very selective approach. I call this the Louis Vuitton approach, where you only apply for like big tech name, you know, brand name companies. How come you took that approach? Like, I didn't tell you to do that. (laughs) We actually tell people the opposite. But um, I guess we'll give you the confidence to do that. And obviously worked out very well for you. But um, just kind of like walk me through what you were thinking there. Yeah, um, I mean, I wasn't really like confident necessarily. It was more like, a stretch goal like oh you know i'm gonna like 
try like try applying and like see what happens but probably won't get interviews at any of these places but might as well try it because you know they pay really well and they have such good reputations and like such good mentoring opportunities and all of, all those things um so you know i had like my list of like top companies like companies i like dream of working at and i applied to those but i like, didn't think i would like hear back and then um and i still have like a list of like backup companies to apply for and like um, but then, like, I just suddenly was, like, hearing back and getting interviews, and I was having recruiters reach out to me out of nowhere, and I just ended up getting all these interviews, and I was like, oh, okay. And then um, I was pretty prepared for coding interviews because I was, like, I did a ton of lead code practice, like, during Capstone because I really wanted to be prepared. I was, like, really anxious. I was like, I got to, like, if I get any interview, I have to ace it. Otherwise, like, I'm not going to get a job. So I did a ton of lead code practice. And then so the interviews I did get, I was able to pass like almost all of them. And so then I ended up with a lot of offers from a lot of really great companies. And I was not expecting this at all. Um, but I think it was just sort of luck. Like um, it was a really great job market at the time. Like companies were hiring like crazy because um, this was right before the layoffs happened when they realized, oh, they had hired too many people and they were starting to lay off people after that. So I was there right before the layoff started. Um, and yeah, I was just like, well, I mean, initially I wasn't expecting it. But after seeing like how successful I was, I was like, oh, OK, I guess I guess this is my job. And I guess I have the Louis Vuitton job. And even you though do, I was not expecting do. it. <laughs> and before we send people off running to Elite Code, I just want to throw a caveat there and say, like, don't do that. It's unnecessary. Yeah. Yes, definitely Unless, unnecessary. you know, you're in the Bay Area and you know for a fact that you are only going to interview at big tech companies, right? Um, that would be uh, the only, uh, like, path where you need to uh, have this optimization. Otherwise, you know, just follow the logical curriculum. You're good, good enough. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's so time consuming. I would not recommend it to other people unless they're, yeah, unless they're applying to like thing companies. It's very time consuming and very not fun to do lead code. Um, yeah, and most so, companies don't ask those. So, you got multiple offers from very reputable companies. Why did you choose Databricks? Like, what stood out about, you know, the company or the team um, or the role? Uh, I mean, they they weren't even your highest offer, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think it was the second highest if you like include the stock, the stock value. Um, but basically, um, I was just kind of had my like things that I wanted in a company like pay wasn't the most it wasn't the most important thing for me. Uh, I was really interested in like, what is the manager like? Do I vibe with the hiring manager what is the culture like uh what are the career growth opportunities and like what about the location like um i really preferred a in-office or hybrid uh job over a remote job because i just felt like i was gonna have more opportunities to like learn and get help and stuff in person rather than remote so um that by itself knocked out a lot of that eliminated a lot of the options so it helped me to narrow it down quite a bit um, so after narrowing it down after like, you know, accounting for all this, all these like qualities I was looking for, I narrowed it down to like three companies that were all like really solid. Um, and then I was like pretty indecisive between those three. Um, and out of those three, uh, Databricks had the highest, uh, total comp. Um, but I was still kind of unsure. And then one guy from Databricks who was actually on the team that I was hired for, he volunteered to get coffee with me because he actually lived like in the same neighborhood as me in Seattle at the time. So we got coffee at the local like coffee shop and um, he actually worked at one of the other companies I was considering. He worked there for 10 years. So he was able to kind of give me like pros and cons sort of comparison between company A and company B. And that helped me a lot to understand like, oh, what are the pros and cons? And that really like helped me to realize that Dataverse would be like a really great place to like grow my career. There's like way more just growth opportunities and like that aspect of things like really sold me. Um, so that's when I like decided, I think, to go with Databricks over the other two like top contenders. Um, and I don't regret it at all. Like I'm super happy at Databricks. I could see myself staying there for like a really long time. Yeah, that's great. And it's that 
flip when in the in the interview process where they're grilling you and then they give you an offer and all of a sudden all these people who used to be grilling you now are recruiting you right yeah it's so funny it's like oh now like i get to be friends. a picky one it's right. such a nice feeling it's it's uh it, it's a really interesting dynamic to see it's like these people are like always you, you know giving me a hard time on questions <laughs> now are like being extra friendly <laughs> i know and then now it's like my turn to like grill them with questions about the company and why they yeah. why i should pick them so yeah it's, it's pretty fun yeah yeah so the audience for this podcast logical students many of them probably most of them do not know what databricks is or why it exists or why you know there's rumors it might go public right like what is it i'm just gonna uh read the wikipedia introduction here yeah that's probably better Dude. than i can get i'm not oh, very no, good it's at not. <laughs> it's not it's not for for our audience at least it's not databricks is an american enterprise software company founded by the creators of apache spark databricks develops a web-based platform for working with spark that provides automated cluster management and ipython style notebooks the company develops delta lake an open source project to bring reliability to data lakes for machine learning and other data science use cases I'm going to guess that for everybody in core and probably for a significant percent of capstone grads, this is just gibberish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but there's really it's really hard to explain it in a way that isn't gibberish because that's just what it is. Um, but I guess my like attempt at a simplified explanation is it's sort of like a one stop shop for a company's data and AI needs. like. If a company has all this data and they don't know what to do with it, like Databricks kind of helps solve that problem by providing like the the lake house, the warehouse and like all the tools, like the data science and data engineering tools and the machine learning tools. Like it's a bunch of tools for like managing data and like doing stuff with it. Um, and there's all these different things you can do with it. Like, you know, like I just mentioned, and Databricks provides like a whole suite of offerings that kind of solve each of these problems and like make it easy for companies to like leverage their data and like derive insights for their business and all that. So that's kind of my super, super, super simple explanation. So would it, would we be able to gain more insight if we study like Databricks competitors or or would that just cause more confusion? I think that would be even more confusing because I don't even know <laughs> what the competitors do. So then let's talk about, if we can, your team or product at Databricks. Yeah. Like, can you give us a little bit of information, like how many people are on your team? Um, you know, one question I get all the time is like, do who who else is working at companies like this? Do they all have PhDs in computer science and Julia snuck in the back door? Or like, or are they all bootcamp grads? You know, um, I think the question that a lot of people ask um, when they ask these types of questions, the question behind the question is like, Really, can I hang with them if I'm like a launch school student, a launch school grad? Um, you know, and 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 so to back up a little bit, your team, your product, Databricks, and the people there. Great question. Um, so I'm on the Delta Live Tables team, which is like the Databricks fancy word for like the ETL pipelines. Um, so like basically, and what does ETL stand for? Oh yes. <laughs> ETL um, is extract, transform, load. It's like a common term in like data engineering referring to like data pipelines. So it's basically when you have like, so everyone is SQL, right? Like when you have a bunch of SQL queries and they all sort of connect together, like you have a SQL query to create one table and then another SQL query to create another table that's based on table one and then on and on and on. So that sort of makes like a pipeline. And so Databricks has this pipeline product that they sell to uh, companies that also has a bunch of other like really advanced features like orchestration, like scheduling and all kinds of like fancy stuff. So I'm on that team and I primarily work on the front end. Um, on the front end, we have, I think, four people right now. And there's a lot more people on the back end. There's probably like at least 15 on the back end. So it's like the back end is also split between like four different teams. So it's a lot more back end versus front end. But I mostly just work with like the other front end people. Um, so like the three others. And um, oh, your other question about like where the backgrounds, uh, I would say almost everyone at Databricks has like a computer science degree. 
uh, mostly bachelor's degrees. Some people have master's degrees. A uh, couple people have PhDs. Um, I think I'm the only like recent hire who's like from a like sort of untraditional background. Um, a lot of people like I guess there's a few people who didn't study CS in college, but they kind of had self-taught from a young age, like from high school or something, and had already like kind of been dabbling web development since high school. And so they were able to study something else in college, if that makes sense. So there's some people like that. Um, I only know of one other person who went to a boot camp and she joined Databricks like a long time ago, like back when it was a really small startup. Um, but since then, I don't think there's really been many other boot camp grads, like at least no, none that I know of. Um, so I definitely feel really lucky that I like got the opportunity to work there since, you know, I don't really see any other boot camp grads around. Um, but I do feel like once, like as a member of the team now, like I can totally like hang with them. Like I feel like, you know, launch school and capstone, like really prepared me. And I was really surprised at how well I was able to like execute, you know, from day one, like I was, you know, given tasks and like, I remember my first task, I was so scared. I wasn't going to know what to do. I was like, oh, I've never worked in a co-case before. Like, how am I going to do this? But then when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, it was just like React, basically. It was like, oh, well, do you know React? And it was like, I know React, so I can clearly do this task. And yeah, it mostly just became all about like, you know, using my existing skills and my existing knowledge of React, JavaScript, just um, TypeScript, like all those things you learn in Capstone or earlier. Um, those are those all come in super handy on the job. And um, there have even been like a couple times where I'm able to like help explain things to other people like who are like more senior than me and that's always like wow like I'm explaining something to someone else like I never thought that would happen but it actually does happen sometimes and that's always a great feeling um just knowing that like launch goal like really prepared me um there always are going to be like some things that like launch school doesn't teach like some company specific tools like every company kind of has their own infrastructure so stuff like that I had to learn on the job, but those are usually a lot easier to learn than like learning all the ins and outs of JavaScript. Like there's so many people who like don't know a little course of JavaScript, but like I know because I did JS 101 and got grilled in the assessment about them. So I feel pretty confident about those things. But yeah, it's pretty cool how like, um, yeah, I feel like I'm just as prepared and just as competent at my job as other entry level software engineers who had CS degrees. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I think this is this is what I want people to hear about assessments. It's not that we're we're like on the same team. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And all I'm saying is you're gonna get grilled at your job. Right. right? Exactly. And even and here's the here's the thing. If you make a mistake sometimes or you or you, you know, exhibit lack of knowledge about some basic uh, programming concept a lot of times nobody calls you out they're just follow the way in their head you know we might say minus a couple points you know and and but we tell you yeah right so important to get that training early get you know get set the standard for yourself early exactly yeah like you want to get that all out of the way before you start a job before stakes are high like mm -hmm. you don't want to be you know being judged about lack of knowledge when you're already on the job like you want to get that all out of the way earlier when you're like still learning and stuff and so yeah i'm really glad that we had those assessments uh, i really hope you keep them yeah that's the core of what we do yeah i was like this is a little intense i thought it was a little overly strict but now i'm like oh now i understand it's yes it's now you get it exactly it's not we're not trying to be strict for the sake of strictness you know we're yeah i know what's coming up ahead you know, and I and I want you to be prepared for it. I wanted to ask about the first issue you got, or let's say your first day at work. Um, how nervous were you when you got like your first task? Was it was it like your brain kind of going into <laughs> overdrive or was it like, I got this? I was really nervous. I was so scared. I was like catastrophized catastrophizing. I don't know the word. Um yeah. <laughs> catastrophizing over like how I would tell people that I didn't know what to do and I was just like imagining all these scenarios I'm like I don't know what to do like I'm an imposter you know like I don't belong here 
But as soon as I looked at the task and I looked at the code, I was like, oh, that's really easy. Like, that's the easiest thing I could have imagined they asked me to do. Like, anybody could do this. Um, And so I got a lot of, I felt really good and like, got a lot of confidence from that. Obviously, they gave me an easy task to start with. This was my first one. So it was like a warm up task. But then even from there, even like the second one and the third one and the fourth one and so as so on, like, it was still like always manageable. It was always something I knew how to do. Like, I never was like, completely lost. I never had to be like, help. I don't know. Like, I was always able to figure it out. And I think what you described is so um, familiar. And in, 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 at least at launch school, when you get an ex- assignment or exercise that sounds insane. And then but if you just spend time with it, it, it starts to go, okay, I think I could do this, right? And then like, after you do it, you're like, Oh, that wasn't, you know, that was okay. Even if you are stuck, like there's always people around to help, like, or at least I hope at most companies there are, um, you can always ask someone and they can like give you a hint or, you know, give you a code pointer. Like it's always okay to ask questions too. And usually people are like more than happy to help. So there's also that too, if that helps make people feel better. Yeah. Yeah. They want you to succeed. Right. So it just, I think it's one of those things where like, you're afraid to ask questions because you don't know what you're supposed to know versus what's what you don't want to bang your head against the wall. Right. Um, I think when, when I was mentoring you engineers, that was one of the hardest things is, you know, when someone just sat with a problem for too long for like two days, three days, and I'm like, Oh, it's because of this thing. Why did you sit on it for so long? It's like, you don't know this, right? You should just ask versus asking questions real quick. Just like, Oh, maybe you should have Googled that. And just that balance. Like, and I think that's one advantage of going to like launch school, right? You kind of, establish that balance over time yeah and i think it's still really hard to kind of find that balance like even after starting the job because i remember i really struggled with it and i always kind of erred on the side of like not asking questions i was so afraid of looking stupid but then like later on i like would regret it because i wasted so much time like Mm -hmm. spinning my wheels like not getting anywhere so i think i sort of developed a sort of sense of like i would ask myself like is this something i can solve by googling or chat gpt now that chat gpt is a thing Google or ChatGPT cannot solve my issue. If yes, then I'm not going to ask people. I'm going to try and, you know, use the internet. But if no, like sometimes it's a really, really internal tool that only one person knows about. Right. Google's not going to know about that. So in that case, I'm going to go ask that person. Um, But I'll still try and read the code first, try and see if like just reading the code will help me to understand what's going on. Um, There's so many ways to self-solve and like it definitely takes some getting used to because I feel like I didn't have this in like previous jobs or I had to like self-solve some technical issue. Like in past jobs, I would just ask someone. But as an engineer, you kind of expected to like self-solve and like solve your own problems. So it took a lot of getting used to. But I would say, yeah, like it's it's tough. But eventually you kind of sort of find your find your balance, I would say. Yeah. And I would say if you did launch goal core and capstone, I would almost say err on the side of asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> right because you you've established sort of that foundational knowledge um and and you know chances are yeah definitely google what you're supposed to google um use the ai when it can but a lot of times it's just institutional knowledge right it's in some other employee's brain yeah so databricks uh complicated company dealing with data pipelines data lakes I, you know, again, if you're in core data lakes is probably a foreign term, right? Um, how does somebody that is like in JS 101 learning about variables, <laughs> how do they map their journey to working at Databricks? You know, like how, how help us bridge the gap. What's the tech stack? Like, do you, like, what do you do? On a day to day? Yeah, good question. That's something I wondered a lot. Up until I started my job, basically, like every day I was like, how is this translating into a job? Um, I would say, you know, like you're learning. We, I think we kind of covered a little bit earlier, but like, you know, a lot of my job is just JavaScript and React and like knowing how to write code in, or read and write code in those languages. Or React is in the language, it's a framework, but basically like what I'm trying to say. Um, a lot of it is just reading and writing code. And if you know the language and the framework, you can write the code. 
And so then it's like, okay, well, you have to come up with a logic to write the code. Well, every human has logic skills, so don't worry about that. It's usually a simple is-then, if-else statement um, day-to-day. So it's like, if condition X, do Y. Um, it's usually something as simple as that. And then just figuring out, like, you know, what are, like, the best uh, decisions to make given these options? Like, you might have, like, options A, B, and C, and then you have to make some decision on, like, okay, what's the best given all these trade-offs, pros and cons? And you do a lot of that in Capstone uh, for the case study. And um, that's something that really helped me in my job now is like taking those engineering decisions we did in Capstone and like using that experience to help me today because I really have to make engineering decisions. Um, So it definitely translates like pretty well, I would say. Like, you know, you're using all of these skills you learn in uh, core kind of like piece by piece you're learning each technology very individually um and like apis for example that's another thing i use a lot like you learn all about apis in one of the courses and then nowadays i use apis all the time and like i feel like i can like have conversations about them and like you know you know really be able to have like conversations and making decisions about them um and yeah it just sort of all comes together i think when you're in capstone and you're like doing that project with your team and bringing together all of these frameworks and technologies to do your project and the real life job is really similar to the capstone project except the main difference is you're adding something to an existing code base whereas in capstone you're just kind of working on your own with no existing code base but that's really the only difference um and uh our current tech stack that i use i'm mostly on the front end so we use react and typescript um and like motion for css we just added a typescript course Oh, awesome. That's great. I love TypeScript. Like, a few I used, months ago, yeah. Yeah. I used to hate it when I first learned it. I was like, this is so complicated, but now I love it. Like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we use it, and I'm so glad that LaunchTool is teaching it. Um, it's great. Um, so, yeah, those are our two main things we use on the front end. And then the back end at Databricks is Scala. Um, and I'm not really sure what else. But Scala is like the main language on the back end. And so you talk to the back end through an API that the Scala team exposes. Yeah, there's like API teams and we mostly use GraphQL for the APIs uh, just because it's like a bit more efficient, like optimized and stuff. So you have like a whole GraphQL service that does all of that. What about your day to day? Like just pretend. Oh, yeah. Like what time do you wake up? What? <laughs> Um, like maybe give us a day when you're going into the office as an, as an example. Um, or yeah, I, you, you do go in office, you're in a hybrid role, right? Yeah. I go to the office most days, actually. Most days. Okay. Yeah. Give us, give us a, just, you know, hourly play by play in terms of your day. Typical day. Okay. Typical average day. day in the life. I'll make it super realistic yeah. too. Cause I know on YouTube, they're like super unrealistic where they're just eating the full day. <laughs> just eating all day. Yeah. Um, so I usually get up around like 7.30, give or take. I used to be really good about it, but not recently. I've been kind of lazy. Um, get up around 7.30, um, head out and go uh, get to the office around like 9.15-ish. Uh, try and get there at 9, but usually ends up being a little bit later. And first thing I do is make some coffee. So I have some coffee, some caffeine. And then I check my uh, all my unread emails and slacks. So I go through my emails and like, store the ones I need to like follow up on same with my Slack messages I like um save the ones I need to like go back and respond to um and then I'll start like responding to like the really urgent messages like really urgent questions like I usually have like questions about stuff or people responding to my questions just a lot of back and forth um so I'm like slacking and messaging in software engineering than I expected it feels like it takes up a lot of my like launch school I guess a lot of just communicating, right? Yeah, right. a lot, surprisingly. But when you're in the office, do you, do you still rely on Slack a lot? Yeah, because uh, a lot of people are in different offices or working from mm-hmm. home. Um, I mean, I still talk to people in the office, but Slack is usually more reserved for like business stuff, like people in other offices. And then in, in person, talking to people in person is more like social, like non-work related stuff. Um, but sometimes we talk about work too. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So after I check all my slacks and respond to the urgent stuff, uh, I usually go on to my PR reviews. So like how it works for anyone who's not familiar is like whenever you like finish a feature or whatever, you like submit a pull request and that pull request has to get reviewed by at least one other person. 
And it depends on like what files your code touches, but like, you have to get reviews from like certain people in order to get it merged. So I often get asked to review PRs for other people and I actually have like a few every day. So that involves a lot of like reading their code, getting familiar with what they're doing and like making sure that they're doing a good change and that. And I just find like feedback to give them. So like leave feedback and like stuff like that. And that usually takes like a couple hours like in the morning to get through all of my review requests. And then um, I will get, I probably have some meetings, usually have like a stand-up meeting in the morning, like right before lunch. What's the stand-up? Yeah. Yeah. So stand-up is like, um, I think it's like an agile thing or yeah, I'm not too familiar with the words, but it's like one of those things a lot of software engineering teams do where everyone in the team has a meeting and you do all you actually stand around. no we don't stand we used to stand in a circle wait really yes you yes. actually stood we physically wait. stood how oh, funny i've never heard of anyone actually standing that's great it used to be a thing we used to stand in a circle and take turns that's pretty cool i wish we did that you could introduce it to your team too. yeah i'll make people stand next time um but yeah we just all go around and like talk about our updates i guess like what we've been working on what we're going to be working on next like any blockers any major questions for the team just kind of just kind of like a sync time for the team how long does each person have uh we don't time it but i would say each person goes for like a minute or two yeah that sounds right yeah pretty quick because there's a lot of people on this team it's like 15 people so it takes do you do the green yellow red thing no, what's that? Well, it used to be where, you know, people say stuff and there's there's like 12 people and you just like, you know, you zone people out, right? But so just you're hearing, you're listening for the color at the end. So if they're on on track, they'll just say green at the end or maybe at the beginning. They'll be like, oh, my status is green. And then here's all the details. Or they'll be like, my status is yellow. And everyone's like perks up a little bit. right? And then you and then you say Wait, or that's a really good no idea. one's read until about a month to the deadline. Then ev everyone's like yellow and some reds. Oh, but in the beginning, everyone's you know green, 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 green. For if you have a six month project, like for four and a half months, it's all green. Wow, that's a I really like that because it kind of helps you to stay in tune to like where everyone's mm -hmm. at. Like, is it good or bad? <laughs> Yeah, Usually, I don't want to hear all the color, words, right? like all the yeah. complicated words. I just want to hear like good or bad. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I should introduce that too to my team. If you're sharing right. ideas. Um, oh, yeah. So back to the day in the life. Yeah. So it's a Zoom call, right? Your stand is a Zoom call. Yeah. Well, we, it's usually like half Zoom, half in person because our team is kind of split between like uh, the two offices. So some people are in the Mountain View office and some people are in the San Francisco office. So it's like okay. half Zoom, half in person. And then after that, I usually get lunch and we get free lunch at Databricks, which is super nice. So I'll like grab my free lunch and then ping out with my team and we, you know, chat about random stuff and then usually take like almost an hour for lunch. And then uh, I go back to work. I answer my answer more seconds. Is there is there coding involved in your job or no? <laughs> oh, I'm getting to that. Okay. I usually don't get to coding until the afternoons because I'm so busy with okay. all the other non-coding stuff. Right. Um, yeah, that was another thing that was surprising was like, I don't spend as much time coding as I thought I would. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other non other non-related stuff. Um, so afterward, again, answering messages all day and then hopefully get to my actual work um, of like delivering features, bug fixes, uh, whatever, triaging, whatever. Um, so I'll start coding and then that usually involves like debugging, testing. So a lot of debugging and testing mostly. Actual writing of the code doesn't take that long. It's usually pretty straightforward, but the testing can take a really long time as I have to prove to everyone that my code is 100%, you know, flawless and reliable and is never going to break anything. So uh, there's a lot of manual testing that I have to do since I'm on the front end. So I like go into the UI and like test that everything works. And also the unit testing, so writing the unit tests, debugging. Um, there's a lot of time spent on like debugging why like my tests are not working, even though they should be. That can take a lot of time. Um, and then, yeah, and then like I'll, once I'm done with the feature, I'll like request other people to review it. 
Um, at the same time, other people are requesting me to review like their documents and stuff. Um, I also like write design documents for my projects. So I'll like work on like writing those documents and like addressing feedback on those documents. Um, and a lot of like decision making, like, oh, should we do A or B? And then getting like product management's feedback, design's feedback, um, a lot of like cross-functional work. Um, and then, yeah, that's sort of like what the main bulk of the work is, I would say. And I usually do that like in the afternoons. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot of like, other than that, a lot of like Slack messages. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's always questions and there's always like people I got to like, you know, hunt down and um, ask questions to. But yeah, I would say that. And then, you know, there's always a couple other meetings sprinkled in, like meetings to talk about some project or one on ones with my manager, one on ones with project mentor, yeah. things like that. That tracks really with my experience as well. Um, I remember just every day I have grand plans to code up everything you know finish everything and i i rarely got started coding before 2 p.m yes exactly like yeah i'm glad it's not just me because sometimes i'm like do no. i just have really bad time management very normal very normal and i think it's one of those things where you know if you think about what you said the stand-up the slack messages the pull review the pull um the, the pr review <laughs> um the uh the documentation the coding and but then the testing and even the testing is to convince others of your quality right yeah and then the documentation yeah this is all communication this is all communicating with other humans right so all these people concerned that ChatGPT can code coding is one aspect of this job yeah one very small aspect yeah. And I think people just overestimate how far pure coding ability can carry you. Yeah. It's obviously you have to know how to code. You have to have technical expertise. But at this level, it's table stakes, right? Yeah. Right? Beyond that, you need a lot more to thrive in this environment. Yeah. Because like once you have the job, they kind of assume that everyone on the job knows coding. Like they assume that everyone's good at coding. Like it's at some level. And so at that point, like the way you differentiate yourself is your communication ability. And that's where people really stand out. Um, like, I feel like the software engineers that I really respect, they also are really good communicators because they can communicate like how impactful their work is and they can communicate complicated concepts so they can understand them. Because if they can't communicate like what it is they're working on, then like I have no idea what they're working on. And like, I don't know what they do. Yes, So exactly. Communication is so important. Um, and just like, getting your ideas heard, like convincing people of your ideas, like all that is communication. It makes a huge impact on your career. I think software engineering is at the core, a human discipline, a human centric discipline. It's um, you, you need to have ex you know, technical expertise to participate, but at the core it, it's, it's very much, it's just like launch school. I mean, at the core, it's a community communal experience. Yeah. Right. It's not the text or the videos. It's it's the communal experience. Learning is a communal experience and, and yeah. working is is also a social experience. Yeah. Um, and in a social environment, got to learn how to communicate. Exactly. Yep. I'll end it with uh, sort of one last question, which is. OK. What do you appreciate most about the team you're on and stepping back the company yeah um i um i'm currently on the delta life tables team like i said um i really really appreciate just how like supportive everyone is and like how everyone just like wants the best for each other and like really like has each other's backs and like like everyone's so helpful and is always like giving each other like super candid feedback on like how to improve their code like how to improve this or that and like um, it's so supportive and I really feel like um, like I'm being set up for success in my role because like I just feel like I'm getting like such a mentorship and like I'm getting help like where I need it and um, you know I'm getting great feedback and it's just awesome you know everyone just like really cares about each other and really wants each other to succeed and like cheers for each other uh, it's just really awesome you know yeah 
That's great. That's awesome. And you get paid well, too. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like best of both worlds. So I'm really happy with this team. And um, as far as the company, I think um, a bit different. Like I would say I really appreciate how the company is very like it's founded by very technical founders. Like they were, you know, computer science, PhDs, like academics. And so they're really familiar with like all the technology. Like aren't they the creators of uh, Apache Spark? Is that is yeah. that what happened? OK. Yeah. So they're like researchers. They created this Apache Spark and then they went on to create Databricks. So wow. they're very, very technical. Uh, and it's great because I feel like engineering is very valued at Databricks. Like we're not just some cost center. Like we're like the main people, it feels like. So it feels very yeah. like secure and feels like we're very valued and like um, taken very seriously. And like we're very important because Databricks is such a like technical, you know, complex sort of technology that we build. So engineering is really important. So it feels good to be at a company that values engineering like that and where the founders can talk to people about super technical topics and, you know, be able to like have those conversations. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So glad you ended up there. Sounds like exactly the type of company that, you know, I, I, I hope everybody at Launchable gets to gets to gets to end up at. And any last words for, you know, Launchable students, especially those kind of in the beginning part of core? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, you got this, like, you might not think that what you're learning now is going to like, apply to like your software engineering job in the future, but it totally does. And you're much, much more skilled than you really think you are. And you're going to do great. Um, as a future software engineer, like launch goal is really setting you up for success. And just by going through launch school, you are going to be an amazing software engineer. And yeah, everyone has imposter syndrome, but just know that like even with even if you have imposter syndrome, you're most definitely like killing it and you're doing amazing. And yeah, just believe in yourself. Yeah. Belief is so important. Positivity. That's the number one thing I always tell everybody. It's just so, 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 so important. But hey, thanks so much, Julie, for stopping by the podcast. Really appreciate it. And I think this has been a great conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. This was so much fun.